You're listening to the Dogs Program. Listeners, and it's on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial, and DOGS stands for Defence of Government Schools. We've been around for some time. That's why we've got quite a long memory that we can bring to the current education problem in Victoria and Australia, and the world for that matter. We have a website at www.adogs.info, and on it we promote and we defend public education. Now we've got press release 999 and Dale is going to read it for us. She's been getting really excited that we're going to get to a thousand, but I'm sorry, this week it's only 999. Over to you, Dale. Thanks, Jean. I've got press release 999. Victoria's public system, the worst resourced in Australia, while wealthy private schools hike up their fees. In the 1990s, the then Federal Education Minister, Mr Kemp, argued for an increase in state aid to keep the fees of private schools down. In the second week of October 2023, with the excuse that the state government was expecting them to pay payroll tax like public schools, wealthy schools throughout the country hiked up their fees to more than $40,000 a year. Meanwhile, in the same week, Trevor Cobold from Save Our Schools produced a paper which proved that Victoria's public school system is one of the worst resourced in Australia. Fee rises. Nine of Victoria's most expensive private schools are upping their fees to charge more than $40,000 for the 2024 school year because of the state government's new private school payroll tax. Caulfield Grammar School, Corowa Anglican Girls School, Lauriston Girls School, Melbourne Girls Grammar School, Scotch College and Wesley College will all charge more than $40,000 in Year 12 fees next year, with Mount Scopus Memorial College and St Catherine's School also expected to join the list, having already charged more than $40,000 this year. St Kilda's St Michael's Grammar is the latest school to announce a significant fee rise and shared a letter with parents earlier this week to announce a fee hike of 4.5% in 2024, including $720 per student to cover the tax. The school's 2024 fees for a local Year 12 student will rise to $38,172, up 6.9% on 2023. Geelong Grammar School maintains its position as the state's most expensive school, charging $49,720 for 2024 Year 12 tuition. The state government introduced the payroll tax in its 2023 budget. At the time, 60 Catholic and independent schools were initially selected to pay the tax, but a government backflip in August adjusted the rules to ensure that only schools that crossed the $15,000 threshold would be subject to the payroll levy. The payroll tax threshold of $15,000 is in place until at least the 1st of January 2029 and will be reviewed ahead of that school year. Public school funding in Victoria 
Trevor Cobalt's figures illustrate the fact that Victoria is the third most under-resourced public school system in Australia after the Northern Territory and Queensland. They are funded at only 85.9% of their schooling resource standard, the SRS, just ahead of Queensland at 84.9%, while Northern Territory public schools are funded at only 766 of their SRS. The average funding share for public schools across Australia is 87.3%. High levels of government funding have contributed to the private school resource advantage, especially in the case of Catholic schools. Total government funding for Catholic schools is 91% of total government funding of public schools and 71% in the case of independent schools. The ability to charge fees ensures private schools can add to their government funding to ensure their resource advantage over public schools. There are no controls over the extent to which private schools can charge fees while receiving government funding. It's incomprehensible that the the Commonwealth and Victorian governments ensure that Catholic and independent schools have a large resource advantage over public schools when the latter account for over 80% of disadvantaged students. The resource disparity between private and public schools in Victoria highlights the structural failure of the school funding system. His full article proves conclusively that state aid to private schools has not only divided our children on the basis of creed, but also on the basis of class, the ability to pay. Both the Commonwealth and the state governments have a lot to answer for in the public school crisis. Back to you, Jean. Well, thank you, Dale, and we'll have a bit of a break before we actually give you all of the facts and the figures, the bigger facts and figures that we just referred to in our press release. all about a voice in our own country. We've got a reason to screaming out, where's our voice in this country? You know, not that I want to be a part of the Constitution for that, you know. That's why 3CR is so important to, to me and this community here. We've got a voice, but it's not, you know, we're entitled to a bigger voice than what we've got, but it's all about having a voice. Subscribe to 3CR, fiercely independent and community controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-941-8377. Hi! I'm Jeffrey. I'm Alphonse. I'm Erwin. And we, we are, are from, from the Voice of West Papua. Tuesday, 6.30 until 7.30 p.m. News and music from West Papua. Well, we still hope that you're listening to the Dogs Program because uh, Andy is going to give us the point of view, believe it or not, of a private school person. It's very interesting about these price rises, which uh, the really wealthy schools that get more money than state schools, that's public money, 
and then charge fees of 40000 plus, complaining because they have to pay a little bit of tax, payroll tax like public schools do. Here's uh, the attitude, if you like, and it's a very interesting attitude of a parent called Andrew. Over to you, Andy. Thanks, Jean. Prices rise for private school families. Andrew, which uh, is in inverted commas, obviously trying to protect his identity, admits that proclaiming that complaining about price hikes in private school fees is a conversation many people aren't interested in hearing. It's why he doesn't mention it to his colleagues at the car repair workshop he owns and operates, or even to the other private school parents at the prestigious inner city school his child attends. But behind closed doors, he says, he does talk to his wife about how the increases will impact their budget. And with nine of Victoria's most expensive private schools upping their fees to charge more than $40,000 for the 2024 school year because of the state government's new private school payroll tax, Andrew says they will need to find around an extra $4,000 for next year. Independent schools in Victoria attribute the fee hikes of almost 10% directly to the payroll tax, with warnings to parents that next year's rises will only cover six months of the payroll tax in 2024 and that fees will rise again for 2025. Although Andrew says his family's budget is increasingly tight, especially in the wake of recent interest rate rises that have increased the monthly cost of their mortgage, his son made the change from public to private when he reached Year 7 in 2021. It was a decision Andrew says he and his wife had made when they realised they would be a one-child family, and a decision he says that was reinforced after Victoria's COVID years created a disconnection between his son and the value of education. The lockdowns had a pretty bad impact on his education, Andrew says. Before that, he was engaged and excited about school, and he had a big ambition. We'd already thought we would make the investment in private schools because he's our only kid, but COVID made up our minds because we thought private school might offer him more and get him back on track. So far, Andrew says, that hope has turned into reality, and with their 15-year-old actively involved in the school's debating and rowing teams, as well as getting positive results in most subjects, he's seen it as a great return on the investment. I think any parent just wants their child to be happy and healthy, and when it comes to school, we wanted him to enjoy it and for it to be something that could be a really good springboard into a life he loves, Andrew says. But without knowing how much the fees are set to rise in 2025 and 2026, the years his son will be undertaking years 11 and 12, Andrew says he is feeling stressed. It's what you call a first world problem though, right? He acknowledges that the perception of private school parents is that they have money to burn. In his own case, Andrew says, that's far from the truth. But now, with his son connected to education again and succeeding at a school he clearly loves, both Andrew and his wife are reluctant to change the situation, even if it means they do without in other areas. It won't be easy for us, but we will manage, Andrew says. I still know we are privileged to have this choice, so it's something we don't complain about. And back to you, Jean. I thought that was a very interesting article because uh, it's a private school website that we got that from, of course, so it's, you know, a plug for private schools as you would expect. But what I found interesting was the sensitivity that he really feels that it's a first world problem. They only have one child um, and um, they know that they're privileged because he's a business owner and uh, he's got you know, money to burn, in fact. But um, I thought it was very interesting. 
uh, his um, his concerns. Perhaps he should also think about what's going to happen to his son when he meets uh, young people of his generation who haven't had his opportunities and how his son will treat those children who haven't had his opportunities, so-called, and whether or not he's actually lacking the opportunity to have a much broader social life than uh, is possible, which, of course, he would have got if he'd stayed in his public school. And there's absolutely no reason why he wouldn't have done well if he'd stayed in the public system, but still. It's all it's all very uh, very twee, isn't it? But let's um, have a break uh, from all of that and get down to facts and figures because Dale's got a really big, big um, academic thing for you from Trevor Cobalt. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual. Knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Published or Not has been around for years, but now Jan Goldsmith is joined by David McLean. We will chat about words and writing, authors and audiences, publishers and printing, a voice for them all on 3CR. Published or Not, every Thursday, 11.30 till noon. When you get home, baby, write me a few of your lines. Well, we hope you're still listening to the uh, DOGS program and uh, steal yourself for some pretty worrying facts and figures from Trevor Cobalt, read by Dale. Thanks, Jean. Yes, so Trevor Cobalt has put all this together, the facts about school funding in Victoria and update. So public schools in Victoria, as elsewhere in Australia, face a funding crisis. The key aspects of this crisis are government funding increases have heavily favoured private schools over public schools since 2009. Independent and Catholic schools in Victoria have a large resource advantage over public schools. Public schools are massively underfunded despite enrolling 80% or more of disadvantaged students and will remain so into the next decade unless the current funding arrangements are overhauled. By contrast, private schools are overfunded. And if Victoria is to truly become an education state, it must fully fund public schools to increase equity in school outcomes. So the national context. Victoria's public school system is the worst resourced in Australia. Total income per student 
was $15,970 in 2021, compared with the average for Australia of 16739 and 16887 in New South Wales. Victoria also had the largest resource gap between public and independent schools in Australia at $10,461 per student. The resource gap between public and Catholic schools of $2,792 per student is the third largest in Australia. Victoria is the third most under-resourced public school system in Australia after the Northern Territory and Queensland. They are funded at only 85.9% of their schooling resource standard, the SRS, just ahead of Queensland at 84.9%, while Northern Territory public schools are funded at only 76.6% of their SRS. The average funding share for public schools across Australia is 87.3%. That's very interesting, that figure of 76.6% of the SRS up in the Northern Territory, which is the lowest in Australia. And that actually is where you would have the most genuinely Indigenous students in schools up in the, in the Northern Territory. Perhaps Mr Dutton should be looking at that because his government is very largely responsible for that extraordinary percentage in public education in the Northern Territory. And um, I think a lot of us are, are still not, not happy about the, um, the referendum. However, I think we will respect our Indigenous um, citizens of this country and go back into silence for a little while. But let's keep on with the facts and figures. Over to you, Dale. Thanks, Jean. Now, school funding in Victoria. Growth in government funding, both Commonwealth and state per student in Catholic and independent schools in Victoria, has been double the growth in funding of public schools between 2009 and 2021. Funding adjusted for inflation for Catholic and independent schools increased by over $1,000 more per student than for public schools. Funding for public schools increased by $1,484 per student compared to $2,800 per student in Catholic schools and by $2,500 in independent schools. Funding for public schools increased by 15.7% compared to 38.2% for Catholic schools and 30.4% for independent schools. Commonwealth government funding for Catholic schools increased by over four times its funding for public schools and the increase for independent schools was nearly four times that for public schools as well. Uh, Commonwealth funding for public schools increased by only $561 per student adjusted for inflation compared to $2,377 for independent schools and $2,145 for, for Catholic schools. Victorian government funding for public schools increased by $923 per student adjusted for inflation between 2009 and 2021, $423 per Catholic student and by $355 per independent school student. However, these figures obscure a significant change within this period. The previous Liberal government cut funding for public schools by $939 per student between 2011 and 2014. It also cut funding for 
Catholic schools by $125 per student and for independent schools by $67 per student. The Andrews government more than offset these cuts by increasing funding for public schools by $1,607 per student between 2014 and 2021, $163 per Catholic student and $221 per independent student. Income from fees and other sources in public schools fell by $294 per student adjusted for inflation compared to an increase of $529 in Catholic schools. Income from these sources fell by $61 per student in independent schools. Income from fees, etc., was significantly affected by COVID in 2020. This income for public schools was reasonably stable between 2009 and 2019 at around $900 to $1,000 per student in current dollars, but it fell by $357 per student in 2020, a reduction of 33%. There was only a slight increase of $34 per student in 2021. The reduction in Catholic schools was only $169 per student or 3% and has since recovered to above the 2019 level. There was a substantial fall in fee and other income in independent schools of $1,638 per student, a 10% reduction. However, this reduction in income was fully offset by JobKeeper payments included in Commonwealth recurrent funding, which increased by 2000 and $76 per student in current dollars in 2020, an increase of 26.5%. Fees and other income in independent schools has increased since then. The Australian Taxation Office provide, provided $282 million in JobKeeper payments to just 102 Victorian private schools, nearly all of which went to independent schools. Very interesting, very interesting. So. The private school system did very well out of the taxpayer during COVID. That's really what it's saying. And the public schools went backwards. Uh, and, of course, most disadvantaged families send their children to public schools and they can't afford fees. And uh, the public system for those people is still free. So um, at every level, uh, almost, the public school system has been punished for the last well, certainly the last two decades, I would yeah. say. And that's nothing to say, to speak of the large resource advantage that Victorian private schools have over public schools. The outcome of these funding changes since 2009 is that Catholic and independent schools have a significant resource advantage over public schools. The income per student in independent schools in 2021 was 69% higher than for public schools, $26,431 per student compared to only $15,970 per student at public schools. Catholic school income per student of $18,762 is nearly 20% higher than in public schools. Uh, it goes on and on. Um, you can find, go to uh, the Save Our Schools website and look. have a look at some of Trevor Cobold's amazing graphs because I know we're throwing a lot of figures at you and it's quite difficult to uh, actually keep up with them. But if you have a look at his graphs, they're really not just illuminating, they're quite shocking, aren't they, Jean? Yes, indeed. Um, and and uh, if you want to find all this information, you can actually get it either from the Save Our Schools website 
or the reference to the actual article is in our press release 999. Uh, Trevor Cable's done a wonderful job, and uh, I do we do suggest that you have a look at his article because the charts that he draws up from the material in ACARA, my school website, uh, they illustrate the whole point. His facts and figures are really very, very conservative and they are from official sources. He himself is an economist and he was in the Productivity Commission for many years. So he really knows what he is doing. It's just shocking to think that officially, legislatively, Victorian public schools are funded at only 90 0.4% of their entire SRS. So only 20% comes from the Commonwealth and 70.4% comes from the Victorian government. The Victorian government has used the money coming through from the Commonwealth to actually uh, withdraw funds mm. or else to play with the accountancy. Yeah. Um, there are, there are um, expenses which are really not for schools like the State Library and other uh, areas, yes. which are counted in to the um, to the education figure. And um, Trevor Cobalt has again picked all of this up. Yeah. There's, a level, there's a level of dishonesty in the state government's accounting system for education in this, uh, in this state. Yeah, the funding agreements, the funding agreements are very dodgy. Nothing new about that. The only thing we can say is that they're a few degrees better than the Liberal Party, um, which is, you know, a good reason for voting for neither of them. But, um, yes, we, I think we have to be very, very um, very grateful to Trevor Cable for the work that he does. Because the, the figures are mind-boggling. Victorian public schools, the funding shortfalls estimated at $1.8 billion just for this year alone. Well, public schools are overfunded. They're overfunded. Uh, the uh, Catholic schools are now up to um, almost ninety percent of their their expenditure with public money, mm. and the um, the independent schools are in the seventies percent. Uh, I think it's time to take them over. We're paying for them, and uh, what we're now paying for, and certainly what the parents are paying for, are things that have got nothing to do with education, but everything to do with market share. Uh, it's um, and it's got you know and and at the same time that all this is happening uh, on the international uh, theme, our children are not uh, achieving as well academically as they did in two thousand. So the last twenty three years have been. Uh, I think that the uh, conservatives are right. The money has been uh, wasted, but it's been wasted on private education, not on public education. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, so do uh, have a look at the link to that article. You will find it in the press release at the DOGS website at www.adogs.info. That's press release 999. Do have a look at the link to the entire article because, as Jean says, the charts really do say it all and they're quite shocking to see. Well, Jacinta Allen has got a job in front of her. Uh, because Mr Andrews, his children after all did go to Catholic schools, certainly hasn't looked after the education in this state. So we'll have a bit of a break and come back with some more interesting material. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. 
Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent, or if you're a kid, or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever, and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, it is actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great deal. relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Join me, Aya Cry with Ubuntu Voices. Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on 3CR. Ubuntu is a Zulu word, meaning I am here because you are. Ubuntu celebrates the positive contribution African Australians make to our communities in music, academia, the arts, and everything in between. Come with me on a journey. Ubuntu Voices, every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. None of us are free, one of us is chained, none of us are free. Did you know that 3CR received its community radio licence in 1976? Our application was successful because of our diverse and engaged community membership. Subscribers are at the heart of our station and we really need you to be active and paid up in 2023. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Call 03-9419-8377 or subscribe Well, we hope you're still listening to the Dogs Program because we're going to divert a little to talk about the TAFE system, the technical system in Australia. And there's been a lot of interest in skilling Australians, hasn't there? And whatever else the uh, Labor Party has understood is that the uh, TAFE sector, which was run down under the Conservatives and privatised, is needed. So they're now looking to the TAFE sector to do a very big job. 
in skilling our next generation of children. But the question is, are they going to put the money into it and where are they going to get the teachers? Sorrel's got something to tell us about this. Over to you, Sorrel. Thanks, Jean. This piece is entitled Employment White Paper, TAFE Workforce Must Be Supported to Deliver Initiatives. The federal government's ambitious plans to boost Australia's skills and knowledge outlined in the Employment White Paper of the 25th of September will require a properly supported TAFE teaching workforce. The Australian Education Union welcomed the additional funding for the National Skills Agreements to deliver greater resources for TAFE, including $31 million for six TAFE centres of excellence. Over the past decade, we have seen an alarming drop in apprenticeship completions and the erosion of TAFE. This has contributed to the skills shortages our nation is currently experiencing, AEU Federal President Karina Haythorpe said. The funding for TAFE included in the new employment white paper will help Australians gain the critical skills and knowledge required for the jobs of our future economy and help restore TAFE as the anchor of our national vocational education system. However, the plans to boost apprenticeships and turbocharge TAFE must be complemented by appropriate investment in and support for the TAFE workforce. The decade of neglect of TAFE under the previous government has deeply impacted TAFE teachers who experience unsustainably high workloads, high rates of casualisation and poor pay and conditions. TAFE teaching itself is an area of workforce shortage. TAFE teachers need better pathways to permanent work, higher pay and to be funded to deliver courses and assess student work within paid hours. We encourage the federal government to work with the states and territories to support and boost Australia's TAFE teaching workforce in order to deliver the goals of the employment white paper, Ms Haythorpe said. Back to you, Jean. Many thanks, Sorrel. And uh, coming back to the problem of uh, teachers and teacher trainees, the AEU has got something to say about paid placements for young teacher graduates or teachers who are um, in training. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Now, I've got a bit of a press release from the AEU because we've had a change of Premier here in Victoria. Jacinta Allen is the new Premier and Ben Carroll is the new Deputy Premier and Education Minister. This is an opportunity to put paid placement for education students at the top of their priority list. There's already been a petition going around and so we want to here at the Dogs, we want to get the word out about the petition. They've already got well past 9,500 signatures, which is an astounding effort and one of the biggest petitions the AEU has ever run. It's clear that the need for paid placements is deeply and widely felt. So this campaign, they believe, is winnable. If you listeners would like to tell people about it or sign the petition yourself, just do a Google search on AEU Paid Placements petition and it'll come up and you can sign the petition there they're also putting a call out to see 
any education students who would like to become members of the AEU, become a student member of the Australian Education Union. Joining as a student is free. It shows that you care about high quality public education. It makes the education workforce stronger and it's the best way to get involved in future campaigns. If you're already an Australian Education Union student member, Congratulations, you're already a step ahead, but hopefully we'll be hearing more about this campaign and from the AEU Victorian branch, and hopefully we'll be hearing that there are paid placements for education students. It just makes sense, considering that we are in the middle of a teacher shortage crisis. How can you expect students to complete their teaching degrees without placements being paid. So go do a search for AEU Paid Placements Petition. Sign up and share it with three of your friends. Back to you, Jean. Well, thank you very much, Dale. And now we'll have a break before we go overseas with Jeff. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. And streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. CCR is Radical Radio. Through our on-air content and community structure, we promote real change for workers' rights, gender equality, environmental action, disability justice, and on racism and First Nations sovereignty. Do you want to be part of real radical change? We need you to subscribe. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation, and $300 solidarity. Call 03-9419-8377. That's 9419-8377. Or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education. 
Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit. Our education is not for profit. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Well, you're listening to The Dogs Programme, the Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools, and we're here every Saturday at 12 noon to defend and promote public education. Overseas we go with Jeff. Jean, and we're going to start this article uh, by Matt Barnum, um, which has appeared in Diana Ravitch's blog, and she introduces it, um, from October 16th, 23. Uh, Diana says, For several years, vendors of education technology have promoted the bizarre idea that learning on a computer is personalised, as compared to the human interaction with a teacher. Tech leaders like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates believed that technology would make it possible to accelerate learning and raise test scores by standardising teaching. Matt Barnum reports in Chalkbeat that Zuckerberg's efforts have failed. He and his wife Priscilla Chan, via their CZI initiative, realised that their support of the summit learning failed. However, they are now betting on artificial intelligence. What's clear is that they do not trust teachers. So Barnum begins in his article... Um, the failure, Mark Zuckerberg and the failure of personalised learning. He begins, Several years ago, Mark Zuckerberg had grand designs for American schools. The Facebook founder and his wife, paediatrician Priscilla Chan, poured well over $100 million into an online platform known as Summit Learning that initially aspired to be in half of the nation's schools. In 2017, Zuckerberg suggested that technology-based personalised learning could vault the average student to the 98th percentile of performance. Fast forward to this summer, the Chan-Zuckerberg initiative, the couple's philanthropic arm, laid off dozens of staff and its education team and announced a shift in strategy. Our understanding of what's possible in the world of education, they say, and in our world, more generally, has changed. Sandra Louis Huang... CZI's Head of Education, wrote in an August blog post, and so at CZI, our education efforts must change too. Navigating these changes is humbling and challenging, but ultimately necessary. It was an acknowledgement that the company's prior education strategy had fallen short of its hopes. Through a spokesperson, Huang declined an interview request, but noted in her blog post that the company is continuing its work in education, albeit with a different strategy. This moment demands not just an investment, but innovation. And that's why we are building a team of experts and partners to identify opportunities where technology and grant making can drive coherence, she wrote. CZI's shift in approach marks something of a code marks something of a coda to an era when various advocates and funders believed that computer-based personalized learning could dramatically improve education. Summit, CZI's pet project, has not spread as far as one hopes. And the once hoped, and there's little evidence that it or similar efforts have led to the large learning gains that Zuckerberg envisaged. This gap between ambitions and results underscores the difficulty of using technology to dramatically improve America's vast system of decentralised schools. 
People keep hoping that our technologies are the Swiss Army knives or steamrollers that they can do and that they can do everything, said Justin Reich, a professor at MIT and author of a book on the limits of technology in education. Instead, our best technologies are particularly shaped ratchet heads and the landscape of education is millions of bolts. Anyway, that's the, uh, that's the article there. So um, CZI has not given up on technology. Uh, imagine if they had spent those millions on health clinics in schools or anything else human-based. So anyway, that's a, a lament about the, um, the, the perception of uh, personalised learning through computers that Zuckerberg and his partner, his wife, had envisaged, but now they look like they're trying to get AI involved. My God. Okay, why don't we just go back to good looking after our teachers? Now we're going to nip across to the UK where there's an article which is not actually uh, uh, an author's... The author's name is not provided, but it's from Humanists UK and it was from the 6th of October 2023. Uh, And the article is, Church leaders deny the fact their schools discriminate against special needs children. Um, And the article goes on. Both the Church of England and the Catholic Education Service, CES, appear to be refusing to recognise that their schools admit fewer children with special education needs, despite the evidence published earlier this week that they are doing so. Humanists UK, which has long campaigned for inclusive schools suitable for all children, regardless of the religious background of their parents, said it was disappointed with the response from the country's two main providers of state-funded Christian education. Neither church acknowledged the, the clear facts of the matter. The Church of England's Chief Education Officer, Nigel Genders, stated that its schools serve the whole community and that it is committed to meeting its legal obligations and prioritising the needs of the most vulnerable. Mr Genders went on to say, While the research gives no strong evidence that arrangements by admissions authorities for Church of England schools are a barrier to send applications, that means uh, uh, children of... uh, Uh, special education needs, send applications, the church is taking active steps to promote equal educational opportunities throughout our national professional qualifications programs, which train leaders in evidence-based school special education needs practice and supporting schools through trauma-informed practice and special education needs networks for leaders. In fact, Humanist UK own research from 2015 shows why the admissions arrangements for the Church of England schools are a barrier to special education needs applicants, because around a third of faith schools don't make plain that or how special education pupils can be admitted. Meanwhile, the the uh, Catholic Education Service deflected from the issue by stating that Catholic schools educate a much higher proportion of pupils from the most deprived backgrounds than other schools. But this is not true. Humanist UK research has shown that Catholic schools take around 28% fewer pupils eligible for free school meals than live in their local areas. It's true that Catholic pupils are more likely to come from deprived areas than others, but that simply reflects the fact that Catholic schools are much more likely to be in cities than other schools. Indeed, research has also demonstrated that Catholic schools are even more likely to be in deprived areas than their pupils. At any rate, the deprivation of the area of the pupil is not a good measure because it doesn't actually measure whether or not that pupil comes from a more or less deprived household in their area. Furthermore, this demonstrates that Catholic schools are doing even worse than they should 
be on the special education needs admissions. This is because children from deprived backgrounds are more likely to have special education needs. Yet this week's evidence clearly shows Catholic schools admit fewer of such children than other schools. More generally, neither response has shown any interest in uh, tackling the clear problem this week's research has found, that the Church of England and Catholic schools take fewer special education needs pupils than other schools. Um, Humanist education... Humanist UK's Education Campaigns Manager, Robert Cann, said, It is well known that we disagree with the Church of England and the Catholic Education Service on the appropriateness of religious control of state-funded schools. But even so, it is incredibly disappointing to see them bury their heads in the sand when presented with clear evidence of the discrimination their schools perpetuate against special education needs children. At the very least, it would have been good to see some humility We are worried about this evidence. We want to find out why the figures are what they are and we'll investigate if there is anything we can do to bring our schools more in line with the community schools. If they'd said that, that might have been a better approach. As it stands, both organisations are simply perpetuating inequalities in a vain attempt to justify this increasingly outdated system. The research from Dr Tammy Campbell at the London School of Economics and Political Science, LSE, which focused on primary schools, found that in 2020, Catholic primary schools admitted 24% fewer children with special education needs than community schools without a religious character. Similarly, the Church of England schools that administer their own admissions admitted 15% fewer children with special education needs. And the Church of England schools where the local authorities set the admissions policies, which may include religious selection, admitted 8% fewer children with special education needs. Furthermore, children with an education, health and care plan faced similar barriers to admission to faith schools. I think that's uh, people who are in wheelchairs, that sort of thing. The problems with faith schools. This week's finding on special education needs children add weight to earlier research from Humanist UK and others, which has shown that state-funded faith schools, particularly those who that religiously select, admit fewer poor children, are the most racially segregated state schools and frequently discriminate against care-experienced children in their admissions policies. They also, of course, are religiously segregated. Furthermore, faith schools are known to use religious education and collective workshop to evangelise and to indoctrinate. Taken together, all this evidence demonstrates clear discrimination across the board, wholly inappropriate for the state school system in modern Britain. Following evidence from Humanist UK, the United Nations Committee on the Rights of the Child recently criticised the UK government for permitting faith-based discrimination in school admissions. Despite this, the present government shows no sign of changing policy and the leader of the opposition has recently been called out for showing similar support for such a discriminatory system. Oh, goodness, what a good article and uh, isn't it a shame that uh, those who practice, those who who preach don't practice what they preach as we know happens everywhere um, because um, hypocrisy grows large in the faith-based schools. Uh, anyway, back to you, Jean. Well, we're back from America, back to our own state and our TAFE system. And this is our great state school for the week. How many people know that secondary school students who are a little bit fed up with the high school situation can actually do their VCE at TAFE? 
Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great. Schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. And this week's Great State School of the Week is Swinburne TAFE. Now, this week, we're going to try something a bit different for the Great State School. And instead of telling you about Swinburne, I'm going to tell you about a program that Swinburne has to offer. Swinburne offer a range of vocational education and training delivered to secondary students, VETDSS courses, at their Croydon and Wonturner campuses. Courses are delivered over one or two years to Year 10s, 11s and 12s, VCE and VCE vocational major students. They provide pathways to further study. Through VETDSS, you will have the opportunity to progress to a range of certificates, an apprenticeship, diploma or even a university degree. Swinburne offers both vocational education and higher education qualifications that make it easy to form a pathway from vocational into higher education and receive the maximum credit for your previous studies. In 2023, these were some of the VET courses delivered to secondary students. Certificate 3 in Allied Health Services, Certificate 2 in Community Services, Certificate 2 in Creative Industries and Media, Certificate 3 in Design Fundamentals, Certificate 2 in Electrotechnology, Certificate 2 in Engineering Studies, Certificate 2 in Workplace Skills with selected units from Certificate 3 in Business. If you are a secondary student and you want to apply for a VET-delivered course, essentially Swinburne is in partnership with you and your school. You speak to your school and they coordinate your application with Swinburne. Seek out your school's VET or careers coordinator for course recommendations and discuss your options. Then, when you've decided on a VETDSS course that fits you, your school will forward your application directly to Swinburne. To be eligible for consideration for a VETDSS program, you must be currently enrolled in Year 10, 11 or 12. You'll receive notification from your school about the outcome of your application, and if it's successful, more information about enrolment will follow. If there's a greater demand than course places available, you'll be placed on a waiting list, so take note of Swinburne's key application dates to allow time for your school-endorsed application to get to them. When studying a VET course, you'll attend Swinburne one day per week for training whilst continuing your secondary school the rest of the time. Now for course costs and policies and regulations, see the Swinburne website. Course associated course costs associated with Swinburne VETDSS programs is invoiced directly to schools. So for more information on course costs, it's best to contact your school's vet or careers coordinator. Now, that sounds like some fantastic programs being delivered by Swinburne TAFE. So congratulations to you, Swinburne TAFE. You are our Great State School of the Week. Well, congratulations, Swinburne. And there are other TAFE colleges too that are doing a great job for secondary school students. But our time has gone. And I'd like to thank Dale, our great producer, and uh, Jeff, Andy and Sorrel. 
for a great uh, dogs program. And if you want to find out more about us, go to our website at www.adogs.info. But bye for now. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.